Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back. It's Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you until the top of the hour when BK and Ferrario take over and our program is sponsored by the wonderful people at Munganest, St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota and every Wednesday on this show it is our pleasure it is our honor to be joined by the great Darren Pang good morning Panger it's my honor your honor but thank you for having me on I appreciate that oh my goodness what a, what a gentleman Panger we, we we put we put two different topics for our conversation with you today to the audience and and I said, vote on what you prefer. And overwhelmingly, this is the question people want to hear me have a quote unquote deep dive conversation with you on. Here we go. I would love to hear Panger's story on going from a Calder Trophy finalist and all rookie team member in 1988 to his fluke career-ending knee injury in 1990, 1990, to then quickly working his way up to ESPN's top color analyst in the 90s. So you go from this incredible trajectory, early point of your career, and then an injury, and then you have a totally different career, and that also takes off. So I'm sure you've talked about it before, but the audience wants to hear the story. And so I said, you know what? I am your ambassador. That's what I said to the audience. I said, I am your ambassador and I will go to Panger with this line of questioning. Are you up for it? How much time do we have? Gosh, that's the thing. This isn't something that you do like in 12 minutes. I mean, there's a lot of meat on the bone, but I'll do my best. And in the meantime, Action Jackson, can you, uh, can you pop open a nice can of Urban Underdog for us? It might take that long, my friend. Consider it done. Oh, wow. Gather around the cocktail lounge, friends of the feather. Gather. Panger's going to tell a story. Well, let's, uh, let's get the fireplace going, the fire pit going, and then a nice toddy. Um, it's, a, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know, it's funny that I did a – at one point in my rookie year in Chicago, they asked me to go down to CBS and do the evening uh, sports and – um, and then, so I went down there and did it. And at the very end, the guy said, you should write a book. And I said, it'll be a short story. I'll try to make this one as short as possible. Um, during the time that I tore my ACL in the conference final of 1989, <clears throat> that was the year that, uh, uh Cal- the Calgary Flames ended up winning the Stanley cup and Al McGinnis was the consummate trophy winner that I didn't play. I, I was a backup. Uh, Al Chevrolet came in, um, after I'd hurt my hamstring, um, in January, and so I was, I was relegated to the backup for the first time in my life, and it was a sad feeling. But even more sad was the fact that in practice before game four, um, Mike Keenan, in his infinite wisdom, decided to do a three-on-three, three-on-two, three-on-one, crash the goalie drill. So he did that, and Wayne Van Dorp, 
uh, teammate of mine in Chicago, um, in barreling down, tried to get the rebound, fell. He's about 235, 40 pounds, and he tore my ACL. So that was in, you know, May of, uh, of 1989. Um, we ended up losing the next uh, in game five, where I tried to wrap it up and just be the backup goaltender, and I, I couldn't even do that. So I got a torn ACL that was kind of misdiagnosed for several months, and I kept going to therapy, kept going to rehab. Again, I'll, I'll, I'll tighten up the story. Uh, they figured out somewhere in September that I got a torn ACL. So now here I am going through a, a very serious surgery back in 89. No one knew how to deal with it. So I went to Alabama, and Dr. Clancy he was as aggressive as anybody could be, especially at that time. Fast forward, I had a, I had a producer in Chicago. Her name's Lisa Seltzer. She's a legend, woman in broadcasting. She was a producer and director in those days with Pat Foley and Dale Talon. Not an easy task. She was the one that convinced the general manager, Bob Pulford, to allow me to do college hockey games, NCAA college hockey, CCHA games. Illinois, Chicago had a team back then, and you know the teams that were probably there. So anyway, I got got molded IFB. I got going on the on it, um, and uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Then I became kind of a goalie coach for UIC, and then a goalie coach for Notre Dame uh, hockey while I was employed by ESPN. So I had a lot of things on the go, but the broadcasting ignited me it put some fire back in my belly i lost some love for the game of hockey uh, broadcasting came at the right time and i just used all my energies and the work ethic that i put into trying to make it to the nhl i tried to put it right back into broadcasting and i had several guys help me along the way most notably john davidson was uh, like a legend for me a guy that i really looked up to and he helped me uh, get into it and and uh, that's how i started that was in 19 really in 1990 in 1993 espn hired me but in 1990, I started everything. I did hotlines. I did pregame shows. I did weekly shows with the Bears. I did everything. They asked me to do it. I would do it. Wow. I didn't know all that went into this. And I'm sure many people in our audience didn't. <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 I see this is the thing. I could, I could now, and I, I know you have other things that you need to do, And but I, I could ask you a million questions. I, wanna, I do want to ask a couple, though. So yeah. when you were growing up, I mean, obviously your focus is on playing. You, you can't... You, you can't be anything but focused on playing if you're going to make it to the NHL. But did you have any interest whatsoever in broadcasting? Always did. And, and really? my idol growing wow. up, it's funny, my idol, two idols, I, was, I always thought I wanted to be a play-by-play guy. And I, Danny Gallivan, and, and he was the Montreal Canadian. So I lived in Ottawa, so we got more Montreal Canadians than we did Toronto. So I was a Canadians fan. And actually, Dan Kelly. Um, boy, I, I listened to Dan and... And, uh, and Dan, I was fortunate enough, actually, to this day, I've got a couple of DVDs of, of Dan games of mine that I played against St. Louis. And I just, I just think the world of uh, the way he called the game and how he kept everything even keeled. And he's much like his son, uh, all of his sons, actually. Uh, but working with John has been a complete pleasure for me. And sometimes he says something and it kind of brings back some, some thoughts or some sounds of what his, uh, what his dad sounded like. So in saying that, yeah, did I think I was going to be a broadcaster from an early time? No, but I would have been better in school if I would have known broadcasting was something that I, that I really loved. And uh, I think for anybody out there that's in school or struggling, because I struggled in school big, big time, but, you know, dive into the things that you're passionate about, and I, I think you'd go a long way. I wish that I had broadcasting at an early age that I loved. I would have done it in school. I probably would have been good in school. 
Yeah, because you would have been uh, maybe a little more motivated for the whole uh, operation. Yeah. I'm curious when 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 those injuries took place, and you're and it's one thing. I mean, hey, listen, anytime you get injured, you could just be an amateur athlete, and it and it absolutely sucks. But when you're having the kind of start to your career that you are self-deprecating about, but people may not realize the career that you were off to at an early age and, and the recognition you were getting, what impact did that have on you? Mentally, I would imagine mentally and emotionally outside of what you're dealing with physically, that has to be incredibly difficult. You're watching your team have great success and here you are and you can't play and you were you, you were surging up the charts as far as your recognition for your play. Yeah, it, it was, you know, it was very emotional time. It was it was difficult to accept and saying the words I re- retiring was very, very painfully emotional for me. Um, just had a baby boy, Tyler. He was born. In 19, he had some medical issues. We went through that. Um, he survived everything that he had to go through, which was incredible. I did rehab for my ACL, and and when I did, I, I had a great summer. I came back. Um, I played in the IHL. I came back in March. I played in the IHL with an unbelievable team of uh, Daryl Sutter coach. I had God, my we had Bruce Cassidy and. And uh, Bobby Basson and Eagles and Warren Reichel. I mean, the, the the list of guys that we had on our team were incredible. Bruce Cassidy and we we won the championship. So I thought I was off and running. I I really thought that I was I was going well. And then I was training, and I was one of the things I trained on. I played a lot of tennis. I played a lot of squash, and I was playing tennis on clay. And I went to my left, and the nail of the lines wasn't fully nailed in. And you know how firm those nails are. And yeah. so. I actually turned my uh, I turned my left knee over, and I I basically blew it out. I went back to Alabama, and they basically said you've got really uh, you've got uh, 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 what do they call it? an ACL that's uh, not deficient enough to be a goalie in the NHL. So so that was it. So my anyway, when I retired, goodness. and my wife my wife did the greatest thing ever. Maybe another lesson. I don't want to be one of these lessons in life, but like I, I lived in what I called an NHL home. It was a it was a suburban four bedroom, uh, two bed. I don't know why I had such a bit like a home like that. That was kind of stupid. But anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, so once everything happened and I now I knew I was doing a hotline, I was doing radio, everything changed for me. And, uh, my, my, my wife, Lynn said, uh, we've got to sell this home and buy a radio home. She called it. And we went into this little neighborhood and bought this really modest home in a neighborhood that our kids still to this day loved. And I remember the guy across the street was a UPS driver. Another guy, you know, worked for a, a paper mill. I mean, I kind of went, you know, right into the neighborhood and the kind of people that used to watch me play. And it was, it was humbling at first, but it was so great, you know, to just have that kind of lifestyle, a normal upbringing for my kids. And, and again, like I say, to this day, they love that street, Indiana street in Wheaton, Illinois. They loved it. I got it. Th- th- here's something there, there's, there's incredible value in that. Cause it, it might sound like a, a, a tiny little story, but I bet a lot of people hear you say that, who have been through not necessarily playing in the NHL and then dealing with a career-ending injury, but having to do the right thing as difficult as it is, and it sounds like that might have been not have been something you would have done without your wife's mm-hmm. uh, counsel, for lack of a better term, Panger. That hey, we're for in sure. a spot now where we've got to change the way that that we are living, and that that also had to be incredibly difficult, but yet wise. They're incredibly wise. I mean, I think back at it now and. You know, if there's anybody that's struggling, I tried. I mean, I'm not sure if every story uh, can be perfectly related to another story because you're going through your own emotions. But I mean, yeah, it was hard for me. It, like it was, it was humbling for me. I felt it was. I don't know why I did, 
I mean, I didn't play long enough to deserve to be humbled, but um, she's the one that does the bills and put it all together and said, like, this isn't going to work. And the last thing we want to be is stressed out on a home, stressed out on a mortgage. Um, we're starting a family. We just had a baby boy. And, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, then you, you, you put a mortgage that's in place where there is no stress. You know, at the worst of times, you can afford that mortgage. And, mm-hmm. and so, uh, yeah, I mean, shoot, I, I think that's, you know, I married a good Ottawa girl, high school girl. When the going gets tough, she knows how to grind it out. I'll tell you that. God bless. Final question for you, even though I could probably ask a hundred more. Uh, what was it like going from what you were doing at the start of your broadcast career? And as you said, I mean, it's not like you were just all hockey. I mean, you were doing everything. And that's, that's the way that you do it when you're starting out in broadcasting. Anybody who's done it knows that that's the deal. You got to be that way. Um, to getting the call to doing ESPN. Was that a, was that a significant moment i mean on the outside looking in it would seem like a significant moment but maybe it was just a one-off game here and there and you didn't realize what it was about to turn into no and you know it's it's funny because i thought that i was ready for it after doing you know a dozen um ncaa games um and and the three guys that i worked with all worked in the nhl and one is still working randy Hahn is still the voice of, of the san jose sharks mike goldberg was another one and there was another fella as well so we had you know, we had three three guys, so I was learning the right way. And then one time I was in Chicago doing all the stuff I was doing. I had a Marantz recorder. I had one of those big Marantz recorders. I went oh, in the yeah. Room. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I interviewed the players. I put together my own. Hi, and everyone, and welcome back inside. I'm Darren Pang, you know, for Hawk Talk. And, you know, for the next 90 seconds, I gave them information three times a day. and had to write up the script, and I had to do the interviews. And then, you know, I would go to the WBBM and do the pregame show with Brian Davis. And then I do the between periods and I do the post game show. And, you know, so in the meantime, I was feeling like I was get I was really ready for something else. And then the San Jose Sharks called me one afternoon. They, they, they are having issues with their color commentator. It was Dennis Hall at the time. He was their first one. And they said, listen, we understand you're doing all this work. You played for Chicago. You know, your producer says you're ready. So I actually did an NHL game for the San Jose Sharks which was the first game I did in Chicago stadium. And they offered me the job to go to San Jose. And I just didn't want to make that move. And then I, uh, I ended up getting called in for ESPN. When I auditioned at ESPN in Bristol, Connecticut, and I left there, I knew that I did something really good. I knew that I was, you know, ready to go. But I also knew it was a new ESPN, too. It was the deuce. It was a big change yeah. at ESPN. It, they needed guys that could buy into some of the funkier things. And, and what, what are the ideas? And me being right out of the game, you know, that really helped because I had all my friends were players in the NHL. So I could really do things that maybe other broadcasts wouldn't ask to do. I hopped on the bench. One of my ideas was, you know, at the end of a period, leave the broadcast booth, go down to the bench, sit on the bench, have a hookup, and interview the backup goaltender. So that was one of the first things we did at the Deuce, and it was my idea to do it. And it really became something where you're bringing the fans right in the locker room or right on the bench or walking to the to the uh, locker room from the bench after the period. And all the backup goalies, they all have great personalities. So we just hit it off on that kind of thing. And, and so, you know, as years have gone on, we're probably trying to reinvent the wheel as it goes on. But I think you have to in this business to stay, stay up to date with it. And, but I'm proud of the fact that I got a chance to be on ESPN2, did the very first game, and, and then got to do ABC and ESPN and stayed there for a long time. And it was an unbelievable way to start my career. Man, that is awesome. What a story. What a story. Somebody just uh, texted in right now, Panger. I didn't think I could appreciate Panger any more than I already do, but here he is with an awe-inspiring story that I didn't know. So glad to have him here in St. Louis. Yeah, man. 
a lot of levels to this story. You know, everybody's got a story and, uh, and you certainly have a one hell of a story. So thank you so much wow. out of nowhere. I didn't even warn you that you were going to get hit with this. And the next thing, no, you know, here we are. Well, thank you so you know, much it, for telling the story, man. Because, yeah. Well, the, you know, one of the, the greatest things that happened to me was coming here. So I think a lot of people in the audience would share that uh, that opinion. We're very fortunate to have the uh, the broadcast crews that we do, and, and certainly with you as a as a part of it, it is a great thing for St. Louis Blues fans. Thank you so much for sharing the story, man. This was awesome. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Sorry, I'm, I'm all right. The, the, the game tonight's very late too. It's because of our TNT crew. We apologize for that on the double header. So try to stay up, have a few urban urban uh, underdogs and then you'll be okay you'll be okay by 8:30 puck drop or 8:40 there puck you drop. go Love that's it. that's good okay. counsel from panger a lot of a lot of good knowledge uh in this segment darren pang with us every wednesday panger appreciate it man thank you really enjoyed it my pleasure have a great day guys thanks panger you yeah. too it's darren pang with us here we'll take a break come back with more balloon party driven by mungan at st louis Acura on 101 ESPN.